Thank you, Lord. You are worthy of it all. Thank you, Lord, that our soul can rejoice in you. Thank you, Lord God, that we can bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you redeem our time, that you bless every day. Thank you, Lord, that you are worthy in this place. Lord, we just lift up your name tonight, Lord. We lift you high, high above all of our cares and concerns, Lord. And we just give you the thanks, Lord God. We give you thanks for the week, even before it started, Lord. We give you thanks for the word before we've heard it, Lord. We give you thanks, Lord God, that in all things you are, Lord. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your mercy that rests upon each one of us, Lord. We just lift your name high, Lord God. We just thank you for your banner of love. There's just so much goodness in this house, Lord. Your goodness is all over this place. Your compassion, your mercy, your gifts. You are the source of all things, Lord. All good things, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. We fill your throne room with our praises and our prayers, our incense to you. And during worship, I just saw, like all of us, there is just smoke coming forth out of each of us, filling the throne room. And it was our prayers and our praises, our thanksgiving, our offering to you, Lord. We were like little smoke machines, just trying to throw as much praise and thanks into the throne room as we could. We give you all the thanks and all the glory. We fill the temple with our praises of you. Thank you, Jesus, that you make us clean, that we get to step into the Holy of Holies with you in your righteousness and fill your temple with praises and thanksgiving. Thank you, Father. You're such a good Father. You're such a blessing to us. You restore all. You heal all. And there's nothing left for us to do but to praise you and give you thanks. It was more than enough. Thank you, Jesus.
This is our, our ministry unto you, Lord, is to bring you a sacrifice of praise, to give you thanksgiving, to extol the name of the Lord Jesus in this place. It's our joy. It's our rightful place as your priests, as your ministers. As we've said in the last couple weeks, Lord, you set the fire on the altar of our hearts. And it's, it's up to the priests to keep it burning. And what we've done so far tonight, Lord, is we've trimmed the wick. We've, we've fanned the flame. We've welcomed the flame of Holy Spirit to come and rest on us individually and on this gathering. And Lord, I thank you tonight that what we do in this room is not an end all, but this is just the holy huddle. This is just our time as family to gather around the flame of your presence, the warmth of your face, and to offer to you the worship that's due your name. Lord, tonight we say you are holy, you are a mighty God, you are merciful, great high priest. You are our king, our Lord, you are our master. And I thank you, Lord, that our individual salvation, when you chose us, when you reached your hand down and rescued each one of us, it wasn't just for us only. But when you saved me, you saved me and my family. You saved my parents, my grandparents. You saved my sister and my brothers. You saved my nieces and my nephews. You saved my children, my sons and daughters. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Just declare that over your family tonight. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yes, Lord. One lamb for each household. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God of family, that you are a father first before all things. You are God, you are creator, but you are our father, our Abba, our daddy God, our Papa. And you birthed us into this world for purpose, for meaning. We thank you, Lord, that we are stepping in and we're learning, we're increasing in understanding wisdom and revelation, what it really looks like to walk through this life as a burning one, to walk through this life as a son or daughter of God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. I want to make sure you guys in the back row aren't falling asleep, so you should open your eyes and say amen. You guys doing okay? Everybody doing good? You know, my, I was tempted. I was, I don't know, feeling like, because I think there was an expectation tonight, and we're all like, oh, oh. And we, we have some people that, and people that are usually here that aren't here, and it's kind of like, oh. Oh, but you know what? God has something for us. 
He has something for the rest of our church family that aren't here tonight. But he has something for us, those of us that have come. And the same thing that he has for us, he's going to release it to the rest of our church family. And it's going to go online. And there's people that we do know and there's people that we don't know that listen. And it's not about a message that we came up with. It's not about, you know, oh, we studied so hard in one specific thing that, you know, now I can, it's, like, it's not like fixing up a fancy dinner for a bunch of guests and then see what they think of my meal that I cooked. You know? The Lord has something for us. Like he has something that he is releasing, I know in my heart, and I know it's for you guys too. I know it's for the church the ecclesia across the world. So, if you guys are good, it's not going to be a long message. Uh-oh, I'm being inspected. <laughs> what did I have on the backside? My tag. Now you guys know what my waist size and my inseam is. You know, it's a, special, it's a special place to be able to come together, even if it's a small gathering. It's a spe- I love to come here by myself and worship the Lord. I love to prepare. I love to just make the space presentable because my heart is to host the presence of God here, to create a space where I'll come together and it's easy to step in. It's easy to worship. It's easy to, to sense his presence. You know, that's... I don't want obstacles. I don't want to make it hard for us. And, and I, I believe that it is, it should be easy. It shouldn't be hard for us to access God because Jesus made the way available. We, we took the cup tonight and we broke the bread. We ate the body and the blood of Jesus. And that is the way in. But I think that sometimes in our thinking, you know, the Bill has said, the only closed heaven for a believer is between their ears. You know, it's, it's in our thinking. We, we, we sometimes we wait for a feeling instead of stepping into what we believe. So I believe that tonight was, was an opportunity for us to step into what we believe and access. And it's, it's going to get easier as the days go on, I believe, if you and I continue to step into his presence every day. Like not just be the church here in this space, but be the church every day. I'm sorry, I sorry to point this out, but I'm really distracted by what you're texting over there. So I'll have the sign. Please text, uh, silence your phones. And I appreciate it. If you put your friends on pause. Oh, we'll just wait till you're done. Wasn't that, that was what uh, John Bevere did when he was in, but this was a, like a crowd of 4,000 ministers and he just waited until they were all quiet and stood there and stared. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, Tammy and I got back from Bethel where we were exposed to about four very lengthy sessions of Dr. Ed Silvoso. This was the book that they gave us uh, for being a part of the conference. It's called Ecclesia. Most of the people in this room, I know David and Cara know, most of us know that word, ecclesia. Who, who doesn't know what the word ecclesia means? Anybody? Okay, so a couple of us. 
even though I knew what the word meant, I knew that in the, in the New Testament, it's translated into the word church, ecclesia. Interesting word. But we get this mentality as Christians that it's always been a church. It's always been a, a spiritual word, a word that describes who we are or maybe in some cases for some people the place that we go to worship, right? Like we think of the building that we go to on a Sunday or a Wednesday as going to church when actual reality is you and I are the church and this is just a building, like, it can have a steeple on the top. It can have a cross. It can have fancy signs. It could have a big parking lot that says, Pastor's Wife's Parking Spot Only. <clears throat> we could say, Welcome to Church. We could say all kinds of things regarding the building. But the reality is, the building is not the church. It's just a building. And this is actually not the sanctuary. You are the sanctuary. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So let's just take, we're going to, this is going to flow pretty easy. What I've done is I've taken an 11 point something minute video of Dr. Ed Silvoso speaking on three things. The ecclesia, so it's a little bit of a teaching on what the, what the word ecclesia is, where it comes from. Also a word um, called convences, conventum? I can't even remember what it's called now, but I have it on my notes here when I move to the next screen. I think it's conventus. And then the word apostle. Do you guys know what an apostle is? Just nod if you do. Right? Yeah. Apostle Paul, of course I know. Jesus, he's our chief apostle. He's the main apostle, right? So let's just take a look at the word ecclesia, and then we'll, we'll watch, I think I have a couple scripture references, and then we'll watch a, a about a three-minute, I broke the 11-minute video up into three parts, so this will be good. I do want to mention first, too, that Ed Silvoso had, had said during this conference that he carries an anointing to shift paradigms. What does that mean? The anointing that he has from God causes a shift to think about things. So I believe that even though you might know what the word ecclesia means or, or a roundabout understanding of it, I believe that there's going to be a shift that's going to come from the anointing that is on him. You'll find out in just a few minutes here. So let's just take a look at this word ecclesia. So if you weren't sure how it's spelled, there it is, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A, ecclesia. It's the Greek word used for church in Matthew 16:8. When Jesus said, I will build my church, my ecclesia. He was not talking about a building. He was talking about people, about you. And when two or three of us gather together, he comes to be in our midst. So Jesus promised us that. So when there's at least two of us in this room, I would beg to differ that even if I come in here by myself, he comes and meets with me. But where two of us are together in this room, well, there's more than two in this room. Tonight, when you go home, there's going to be more than just, there's going to be at least two of you in your house, two in your house. There's going to be a good six or whatever in our house, two back there, right? We have the ability to make our home an ecclesia. Like you are a living stone. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. But when you and another person come together in his name, he is there. 
He is with you in your midst. And we can bring the manifest presence of Jesus into every space, every space that we have access to, where we can give it to him and invite him to come and inhabit that space. Ed mentioned the scripture, and most of us know this. I used to have a, a, an old picture that was framed of a tall, I think it was the UN, the United Nations building, and Jesus, you know, about 70 feet tall or whatever, at the outside of it knocking. And we, we know the scripture in Revelation. It says, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come in and I will feast with him. And oftentimes we've taken that scripture, I know the, the 70s Jesus people movement, they took it and said, he's talking about the door of your heart. If anyone would just open the door of your heart, Jesus will come in. Because, you know, we like to pray that prayer. If you just pray the prayer, Jesus, will you come into my heart? Will you save me and be my Lord? So they would use that scripture, but actually... Jesus is talking about coming into a space. He stands at the door of your house. He wants to be Lord of your home. He wants to be Lord of your workplace. He wants to be Lord in your school, Cheryl. And I believe that you and your coworkers are discovering as you get together and pray that he is coming into that house. Okay, so let me look at the next one here. The genesis of the word ecclesia. During the New Testament days, <clears throat> excuse me, during the New Testament days, <clears throat> there were three main institutions in Israel. We had the temple, where, <clears throat> excuse me, I probably will in a second, but I'll just keep pushing through. I got just a couple lines. For you. Thank you, my dear. We had the temple. The temple was where people met with the representatives of God, the priests, right? Then we had the synagogue, which was where God's people met with each other. I never thought of it that way. I always just thought of the temple life. You know, the priesthood's there. People come with their offerings, their sacrifices. And then, of course, they had the, <clears throat> the money-changing tables where people would come and buy their offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus went in there and turned all those tables, tables upside down. Remember, he flipped them over because, you know, he's gentle, meek, mild Jesus. Never gets angry, except for when someone turns the house of prayer into a market. So we had the synagogue, which was where God's people met with each other, and then we had the ecclesia, which was an assembly of people deputized by the emperor to introduce and implement the culture and laws of the empire. The word that Jesus used to describe what we translate as church is a Roman, a Greek word that was used by the Romans, and he stole that word. He took that word that was never used case. We had temples, we had synagogues, but we did not have this, this word ecclesia ever used in a spiritual sense. That was a word that was a secular word that the Roman Empire used to deputize people to bring the system, to bring the culture of Rome into every place they went. Let's take a listen to what Dr. Ed has to say about it. Dr. Ed, I'm going to encourage you. Um, let me say this first. I'm going to take the whole hour and a half, hour and 24-minute video, and I'm uploading it to YouTube just for our church to use. So I will put that, that link out there if you're interested. 
Um, but one of the things that, that Ed said is understanding his accent, he's an Argentinian. And he said it's kind of like in the old days when you'd find a radio station and you had to turn the, turn the knob on the dial, to turn the dial just enough to, to where it would come in clear. He said that's how it is when you listen to his voice. You have to turn your ear and tune it in just enough, and then once you get a hold of the signal, don't move. <laughs> it's the same way I used to work with a lot of Filipinos and Guamanians, and the, the longer you listen to people with accents, the more you understand them. So, so try to take it in as best as possible. A lot of what he says will be words that will pop up on the screen. So here we go. What happens in church every Sunday is extraordinary. The word is preached, people worship God, there is repentance, reconciliation. Nothing comes a close second to that. But what must we do for that that happens once a week to happen every day out there in the marketplace? In this video that you're about to watch, I show you why, how, when, and where to do that. Watch it as a pastor, you will be inspired. As a church member, you will be empowered. And the kingdom of God will manifest itself where the gates of Hades are currently ruled. So let's go now into the heart of the book that is sort of a manual for the principles that are being presented. Let me take you from the known to the unknown. These are very intriguing questions that gave birth to this book. Number one, if the church is so important, why did Jesus speak only twice about it? Furthermore, why is it that there are no instructions or a command on church planting in the New Testament, as important as church planting is? How does the church today compare to the ecclesia in the New Testament? Look at the metrics of the ecclesia in the New Testament. Number one, members devoted to their teachers leading. Number two, individual and corporate prosperity to meet the needs inside and outside of their circles. Number three, daily, daily numerical growth. Number four, ongoing and expanding favor with outsiders. And number five, signs and wonders, what we call here divine downloads. It was definitely a different kind of church, or it looked different. It was always people, never buildings. It was vibrant, expansive, operating 24-7, unstoppable capacity for growth. It set the agenda rather than being an item on somebody else's agenda. So the question is, why such low performance and little social relevance today? Could it be that we have confined to four walls once a week what is meant to operate 24-7 all over the city in the marketplace. You see, the other side of the church is the kingdom of God. They go together. And when Jesus launched the church, he described the kingdom as leaven, light, water, salt. Leaven in a jar doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Light that is blocked creates darkness. 
Water that doesn't run becomes putrid. Salt in a shaker doesn't do any good to the meal. So we need to take this into society. Is there something that we have not tapped into yet? And if so, what is it? I mean, when Jesus introduced the ecclesia, his intention all along was to co-opt an existing secular institution and impregnate it with his kingdom DNA. Let me explain this by taking you back to the genesis of the ecclesia. There were three main institutions in Israel during New Testament days. Number one, the temple. Number two, the synagogue. Number three, the church, the ecclesia, the word translated church in our Bibles. The temple was a religious place where people met with representatives of God, the priest. The synagogue was another religious place where God's people met with each other. But the ecclesia, the ecclesia secular, was a Roman institution where it was an assembly of people deputized by the emperor to introduce and implement the laws of the empire. And the function of that ecclesia was to teach the language and the culture of Rome until everything and everyone walked, talked, and acted like Rome. Very interestingly, Jesus didn't say, I will build my temple or I will build my synagogue, but he said, I will build my ecclesia. Basically, what he was implying, there already exists an ecclesia, a secular one, which is governed by evil forces. They are called the gates of Hades. But I am releasing a new ecclesia, a group of people, because ecclesia means an assembly of people. And when these two meet, mind will win. Therefore, when the disciples heard the word ecclesia, they didn't need much explanation because the frame of reference was a secular entity already in existence in, a, in the marketplace, except that this new ecclesia was going to be Jesus' ecclesia. Pay attention to this. He co-opted a major institution that was operating in the marketplace with imperial authority and infused it with God's kingdom DNA. So I didn't want to just play the whole video from beginning to end without taking some pauses. So that first part, I'm hoping that it, it maybe kind of turned the light on a little bit for some of us. I know even for myself, and I've, I've understood what, an ecclesia, what the ecclesia is. I, I knew it was a governing, ruling body of people in, in, a, in the Roman culture. And I knew that that's what Jesus said he would use to build his, to, he said that I will build my church. I will build my group of legislating, governing people and the gates of hell will not overcome them. So I understood that, and I, and I knew that when we come together that it's just a building. I've known this for years, and I know that we're supposed to do the work of ministry outside, but something in his reemphasizing shifted something for me. It kind of brought even more clarity. So we're going to look at a couple other words. So we have the ecclesia, which we understand now, if you didn't know already, that it was a, a word describing 
a, a Greek word describing a Roman cultural group of people. And their job was to establish the laws of Rome and bring the culture of Rome into the newly conquered territories, right? So now we have two other words, conventus and apostle. Conventus, wherever Roman citizens met, the power and authority of the emperor was with them. Ponder it for a second. When two or more Roman citizens met together, the authority and the power of the emperor was with them. They were Roman citizens. You can read about it in the book of Acts. When they discovered uh, Paul had a Roman background, they freaked out because they were not giving him his, his rightful, duly rightful process of being prosecuted as a Roman citizen. So that's conventus. Interesting where I'd never heard that before, where two or more Roman citizens gather together. Power and authority of the emperor. And then the word apostle. We know that in Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says that when Christ ascended on high, he gave to the church, he gave to the body of Christ, the ecclesia, he gave us apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And their job as, as gifts to the ecclesia are to train and equip us, the rest of the body of Christ, to do the work of ministry. So, Picture outside of the walls, groupings of Christians, groupings of, of the ecclesia, where apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are, are teaching and influencing them, equipping them to do ministry in their areas that they live. So an apostle was not, again, it was not a biblical word. It's nothing that you find in the Old Testament. We had priests, you know, prophets, priests, and kings. But we, we didn't have this word apostle. Again, this was one of those Roman words, a Greek word that was used in Rome. An apostle was an admiral in charge of a fleet of building materials. Think of it. Just picture it in your mind. An admiral in charge of a fleet of building materials and people to build a new territory, in a new territory, a city that looked like Rome. So it's very militant and strategic. You have an apostle, which was a, like a military-type leader, not necessarily military, but with an admiral with, with supply and people to go establish places in new, newly conquered territories to make it look like Rome. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. So the ecclesia starts in our homes. Go ahead and make yourself cozy, man. We're, we're about, I don't know, two-thirds of the way through. The ecclesia starts in our home. It says, when we inject the leaven of God's kingdom, Matthew 13, into our homes, it spreads from the inside out like wildfire to every surrounding sphere of influence. So we're going to go ahead and take the second part of, of Ed Silvoso's message here. It's probably about a two-and-a-half-minute segment. So here we go. Number two, he went beyond that. He also co-opted the conventus. Conventus civium romanorum, the correct word. And that meant that when Roman citizens met anywhere, the power and the authority of the emperor was with them. Isn't that what Jesus said about his church? When two or three of you get together, I am there in your midst. 
But it goes beyond that. He also co-opted the term apostle. Today is a religious term. But in Jesus' day, it described the admiral in charge of a fleet loaded with building materials and all kinds of people with building expertise, carpenters, plumbers, engineers, architects, that they were sent out to build in a new territory, a city that looked like Rome. So my friends, reflect on this. He co-opted the ecclesia, he co-opted the conventus, and he co-opted the office of apostle. And that's why when you are commissioned as a minister in the marketplace, you are one of those ships taking building material to establish the kingdom of God in new territory. In the Bible, the ecclesia was a building-less, mobile people movement designed to operate 24-7 in the marketplace to impact everybody and also everything. By selecting the ecclesia model over the temple or the synagogue, Jesus chose an agency better suited to succeed in the marketplace because his ultimate objective was to see nations discipled by inserting the leaven of his kingdom into their social fiber through the ecclesia, which is people. Okay, so that was kind of a recap then of the notes that I went over. <clears throat> so some final thoughts on this. The ecclesia, whether in its embryonic expression of uh, the conventus, okay, so like the two of you in your home, that would be the, uh, an embryonic expression of the ecclesia. Um, whether it's that or a more expansive picture, like a large gathering in a building, whatever number we are, whatever number, you know, churches go all the way up to mega churches like Bethel, where there are 15,000 members. So whether it's an embryonic expression of the Conventus or a more expansive version designed to inject, am I reading this right? Or in a more expansive version, what it was designed, so we are designed by Jesus to inject the leaven of the kingdom of God into the dough of society. So first, that first people, and then cities and eventually nations can be discipled. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, that, that sounds like that makes sense how that works, but what does that look like? What does it mean to inject the leaven? What does it mean to disciple um, people and then cities and then nations? We're, we're going to be able to tap into some of this, I believe, if, we're, if God gives me the go-ahead to do this. In the next following weeks, we'll... We'll take some more parts of this and see what it looks like to, to bring the presence of Jesus into your workplace, into your neighborhood, into you know, basically every other area outside of these local, these uh, weekly gatherings that we have. And, then, and to see what that looks like. And there are some models that Jesus gave us on how to do that, which are really simple. So it's not complicated, but it, it helps us to realize that the plan of God is that we wouldn't just do church when we come to this place on a Sunday or a Wednesday, but that we would become the church, that we would become that ecclesia, and we would realize that his, his grace and authority and power comes upon us to 
release his presence, release the kingdom in every place we go. So Acts 19, verse 12, it says, God was doing extreme, excuse me, not extreme, extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Paul was not in a church building with hundreds of people, thousands of people gathering to get touched. He was making tents. He was sweating in his clothing, his, what do, what do we call them, his aprons and handkerchiefs. I don't know if it's like a hanky, what you guys think of as a handkerchief. But they're his sweatbands. They were taking the sweat rags off of Paul as he's serving and, and building and making tents in the heat. And they're taking these things to people who are sick or demonized, and they were getting free. Just think about it. Why Paul? Why not you? Why not? The same Holy Spirit that was in and on Paul's life is in you, and he wants to be not just in you, but on you, to come upon you, to be a minister, to release the supernatural power of God into the places and the people that we go to. So let's look at the, the final little chunk of this video. I think it's about two more minutes, and then we're going to have a fun prayer at the end. Now, I'm going to, to read out loud with me this uh, paragraph because it encapsulates the whole concept. Feel free to read Jesus aloud. Jesus' ecclesia was not meant to be a sterile, sanitized holding tank into which his disciples were to store in frozen isolation converts fish out of a turbulent and doomed sea to await the arrival of the refrigerator ship that will transfer them to a heavenly port for final processing. No, instead, his ecclesia, whether in the embryonic expression of the conventus or in a more expansive version, was designed to inject the leaven of the kingdom of God into the dough of society so that first people, then cities, and eventually nations would be disciples. My friends, without God, we can't do it. But the interesting thing is, without us, God won't do it. That's why your participation is so important. And let's take inspiration from the Apostle Paul. In Acts 19.11 we read, And all who live in Asia heard the word of the Lord. And God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Who performed the miracles? God. Whose hands did he use? Paul. Where is God? Here. Where is Paul? He's not here. Who is here today? You and I. God wants to use you to perform extraordinary miracles. How did they work? It says the Bible that handkerchief or aprons were carried from Paul's body to the sick. He was working, making tents, and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. Why? Because Paul was a minister in the marketplace. In other words, whatever instrument touched Paul became a vehicle for transformation. Whatever you do and touch 
is potentially a vehicle for transformation. What does that mean today? Well, Jesus go up to the ecclesia, he assembled people, even in as little as two or three in the conventus form, he also co-opted the office of apostle, and today you are part of a fleet of ships that are going to take God's kingdom to regions where the kingdom is unknown. My friend, without God we can, but with God we certainly can. You see, Christians are the largest religious body in the world, 2.3 billion. But we are still stuck in the building, as good as buildings are. And we are still stuck with that decompression chamber of Sunday morning, you know. But if we pastors can release the people to take the presence and the power of God 24-7 yeah. into the marketplace, the devil will have to flee. And that's the goal. We want to take our city. I know it's talking pretty big here, but I'm not talking about just us. We want to take, take the city for the kingdom. There are principalities. There are invisible spiritual forces of evil that are over our city, that are influencing and we have the ability as the church, as the ecclesia, to displace that principality, to displace that spirit of depression or suicide or hopelessness, whatever entities or whatever you want to call them, principalities, whatever spirit is in this region trying to release the influence of hell. As the gates of hell rise up in our city, they will not overcome the ecclesia, the church, as we rise up and as we go out and bring the presence of God, bring the kingdom into different spheres of our influence, those evil forces will be displaced. He goes on in other parts later on, and I'm not sure exactly how it'll all unfold, but um, even in Jesus's ministry, there were a couple instances where there was opposition. He you know, was having a hard time performing miracles in some places because there was a lack of faith and um, you know, there was a lot of de couple demons that he had cast out. But then you read a few chapters later, he, he mentions this, that there was no demonic possession happening, that something had shifted, something had been displaced in that area. And it was after he sent the disciples out. So we'll, we'll look at that hopefully next week. We'll see exactly how much. I don't want to put too much together in one evening, but hopefully this was enough just to be helpful and kind of give us all an understanding of what, what the plan that Jesus has for us actually looks like outside of the building. Were you going to come up? Well, we're going to close in some prayer, but I do have a scripture too. No. that now did you yeah <laughs> come on up so some of us most of us i think at some point in fact i know that every adult at least in the room i know you kids you're kind of stuck at home and you don't get to go out into the public and and share your faith with people but i know that all of us in this room have had opportunities to 
speak to, to bring the presence, to bring the kingdom into our areas where we work and where we walk. So Judy, wants to, I want to, we asked her to share some of, some of the ways that God has given her the ability to share Jesus with people. Well, I've known this couple um, probably three or four years, well, as long as I've been there. And him and I always kind of go back and forth with the Word of God. And uh, even though we were told we are no longer to speak to our customers, all we can do is give our spiel and whatever. But he came in probably a couple of weeks ago, and he said, Judy, he said, I really need you to pray for my mother. She's in the hospital, she's bleeding, and he went on. And I said, okay. I said, let's just pray right now. And I know I can get fired if they catch me. And I said, too bad. I grabbed his hand and I said, we're going to agree in prayer that the Holy Spirit will reach down today and touch your mother. Oh, sorry. So anyway, he came back the other day and he was like, Judy. And I said, yeah, what's going on? He goes, after we prayed, he said, the Lord touched my mother. She's healed. And he said that day, his dad kneeled down beside her bed there at the hospital and gave his heart to the Lord. And on top of that, he is an Anglican priest. And he's, we go back and forth. But I said, praise God. And we just, of course, we hugged. But it's, it's known that God can touch at any time. And if they fired me, I guess they fired me. God said he would take care of me. So, And then I'd like prayer for this little gal that come in. She had her hand bitten by a dog. And the Lord just led me to okay, led me to pray with her. She just really looked down and kind of not dressed well, but just not feeling up to par. So I said, what's your name? And she said, Mandy. And I said, come over here. I said, what's going on with your hand? She had a rago burnt, and she said, I got bitten by a dog, and it was all swollen. So I had another gal that we prayed together on the sly. And so we got a hold of her, and we prayed over, prayed over her hand. And um, she started to turn around and go, and I said, come back here. I said, Mandy, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you, and we're going to be praying for you, that the Lord will heal your body and heal your hand. Of course, I keep ice water on, on me, so I give it to her, to her, put it onto her hand until she got her medication. But it, it's a, a place where... You know, um, God brings people in to where I can pray with them, and I just feel if it's time for me to go, God's going to pull me out of there. But he's given me the opportunity to pray with people, and I feel that's my, that's my place. So it's time to go. Yahoo, I'll go. <laughs> but I just wanted to share that. I told Tammy it just really touched my heart because even being a priest, they know. And he knows how I feel about rosary and how we feel about Mary. And, and uh, we, we go back and forth, but his heart is open to the Lord. So that's really good, yeah. 
and his dad got saved, and I said, praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah. awesome. I know that everyone in this room probably could give a testimony, and uh, maybe we'll do a testimony night. You guys get, gather up your stories, your testimonies. Even if, it's, even if it was a while back, it's okay. What happens is when we encourage one another by, by sharing how God can actually use us in the marketplace, it encourages us to look for opportunities. Um, you know, uh, some of our family here, they, they, they go to Bub's for bubble tea. And, um, and I gave him a prophetic word a while back. I felt like there was something on his name. And so I prayed over it. I typed it up on my phone. And then I, when the moment was right, I shared it with him. But the other day, I, I just, th there was nobody in. This was actually yesterday. Or no, Friday. Yesterday? I can't remember. It was either yesterday or Friday. One of the two. And uh, yeah, I just, I felt like I needed to ask him if there's anything we as a church could be praying for. Is there anything I could be praying for at our church? And he, he was like, well, yeah. Um, so he's like, you could pray for that. And uh, I drove around for about an hour and a half delivering mail. And then I, I just kept feeling like I needed to pray for him in person if I had the chance. So I drove back in front of the restaurant, and there was nobody in there. I saw him sitting on the little couch by the window, and I just walked in, and I kind of stood there and looked at him. He saw me, of course, and I'm like, hey, man, can I pray for you, like, now? Would that be okay? And he's like, yeah. You know, you guys don't know the whole background, but he, as a young person, was going to youth group um, wherever he lived, and so he, he was exposed to Christianity, and I'm not exactly sure where he's at, but I, I said, you, you're a believer, right? I know you believe in Jesus. And I said, I know that you have in God, right? And he's like, yeah, he agreed. He didn't deny it. And I said, um, so let's, let's just pray. I'd rather not say I'll pray, and then, you know, I just feel like there's something that's, powerful that happens when we can pray in person. So I said, you don't have to close your eyes. He stood behind the register on that side of the counter, and I was on this side of the counter. And I said, you don't have to close your eyes. You can keep them open. I said, I'm just going to just speak some blessing and, and ask God to do a few things. So I just started praying and asking the Holy Spirit to come and, and surround him, give him peace, and, and a bunch of different things. It, it's funny, because as I was praying, I saw his eyes almost look like they were going to close, like he was under the influence for a second. So that was, that was that. And I was like, was that okay? Were you good with that? And he's like, oh yeah, that was, that was, that was good. In the same day, uh, my coworker, he, he's an Iraqi vet. He is a fiery, ornery guy. And I would tell him that, and he knows it. You know, he's, he's a stinker. He just likes to just push it with people. And, and he's just, he's always energetic. Well, he had cancer this last year, and he had to leave work and go to treatment. And in the middle of the treatment, he had a triple bypass. Guy's 53 years old. He's only a couple years younger than me. He just turned 53 the other day. And I just, you know, all this, this manifestation of sparkly stuff has gotten my mind thinking more of my hands on people. I want to pray for people. And I, I just would see him, and he knows I pray for him, and, and he's asked for prayer, actually, texting it. But I just, I texted him that day while I was working. I was actually praying for him, and so I said, hey, brother, I've been praying for you today while out delivering mail. 
I just speak to your heart right now. And I release strength, accelerated healing, pain diminished, and fresh life to come in right now. I pray that you feel the fire of God resting in your chest now as he mends and restores what is broken in Jesus' name. I speak peace over you, bro. Peace like a river deep within your mind and heart. I, I, I sent that to him because while we were at the station, he's, he kind of walked by me. He's like, my chest hurts. And was, he said, but then he was quickly brushed over. But that's to be expected when you're healing from a triple bypass, you know. So I didn't want to, like, cause fear or see if he actually had fear that he was trying to bury but you know I just I could get a sense that it bothered him a little bit but it but he just you know pushed through so after I sent that he teased me he said you missed your calling in other words I'm a mailman sending him this I, I missed my calling in life I was like I may be late but God is always on time then he said he sent me a couple pictures when people bring up your past tell them Jesus dropped the charges like, that's pretty cool. Then, I, then he, another one says, don't judge me by my past. I don't live there anymore. And so I just, I just told him, you know, it's like, you know what? If, if I didn't work in this workplace where I knew you, then I wouldn't have had a chance to speak what I was able to speak into your timeline, into this moment in your life. And I believe that what I said was what the, the will and heart of God is for you. And I asked him, was, at the end of the day, we're getting ready to go home. And I was like, how, did, how is your pain doing anyway? And he's like, it's gone. <laughs> I wasn't going to say, like, well, see. You know, I don't, I'm not going to, like, rub your nose in it. But he's always been kind of cantankerous. Is that the word? Uh, but that's just, it's not an everyday thing. But God wants to, to use us. And, and I, I want to clarify that. When I say God wants to use us, he doesn't want to just use you like a, a, an object to be used. Like, he wants your heart. He loves you personally and wants to have a deep, fulfilling relationship with you where you know and experience his love and his grace, his favor, his affection over you as a son and daughter or daughter. But he also, based on that relationship he has with you and me, he wants to use the influence that he's placed on our lives to, to bring his kingdom outside of this building. Like, we may never grow past 25. I'm not saying we won't. I'm just saying we may never. So what are we going to do? Just not do the work of the ministry unless it happens in this room? We want to prophesy. We want to lay hands on the sick. We want to speak life and encouragement. We want to release blessing. So we're going to wrap this up because... John 1, 12, but to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. That word right is the Greek word exousia, which is authority, regal authority. He gave you and I regal authority to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we're born of God. We've been given regal authority. John 14, 12 says, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and even greater than these will, I, will he do because I'm going to the Father. And then Mark 16, 15 through 18, Mark wrote, Jesus actually said this, but Mark recorded it. Go into the world, all the world, and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. 
In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So that's us. That's what we get to do everywhere we go. Not just in the building if we get a good crowd and the Holy Spirit's really moving because we worship hard and we pull the glory of God down with our praises. Yeah, it will happen here and we want it to happen here. But we want to train and release the sons and daughters of God to go do it all out there. So we're going to pray this prayer with Ed Silvoso. And so if you're next to somebody, um, maybe put a hand on them. And we're just going to release this prayer and pray it together. You guys ready? recording. Ed is going to say a few things after him. So just just go with this prayer and let's just release this blessing on, on each other tonight and then we're going to go home. All right. And folks, even though we will be talking about change in the world, the light that shines the farthest is the one that shines the brightest at home. And we want to begin with a prayer for you and your household for you and your spouse and your children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews. Because the devil hates families, but God loves families. And we have right now, are you ready for this? On duty, since yesterday, 5,400 intercessors. They are praying on the double, praying and praying that the open heavens over Bethel will be even wider open. So are you ready to receive a blessing? Well, I want you to hold hands with the people next to you, even across the Jordan River and the Red Sea there. And the reason why we are holding hands is because some of you, most of you are overflowing, but a few of you are just barely hanging in there. We all have a day like that, right? But that's why in a moment we're going to say, Lord, bless the one on my right and bless the one on my left. And when we say amen, everything will be up in cloud 11. So I want you to pray with me. We're going to submit to God one more time. But then we're going to oppose the devil and his demons. And every demonic force that has come against you and your family especially, we're going to rebuke it. Every, every prodigal, we are going to call him or her back. When you believe in the Lord Jesus, you got saved and your family got saved. They may not have acknowledged it yet, but the kingdom of God is in your family. So, would you pray with us and put some Tabasco sauce on your voice? I don't want you to, we are going to rebuke the devil, and I don't want you to come across like an anemic, bulimic, effeminate policeman. So, Mr. Devil, I'm afraid you're breaking my nails. Would you back off? No. You roll like a lion. Amen? So, let's all pray. Father God, let it be known in heaven and on earth, and especially under the earth, that today, here, right now, we, your ecclesia, are gathering the name that is above all names. 
And we submit to you. And we oppose the devil. And every form of evil. That has come against us. And in the name of Jesus. We command them. Be gone. Right now. Be gone. From my mind you are gone. From my family. Yes from my family. I rebuke you. I cast you out. Be gone. Father God. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Here now. Bless the person on my right. Bless the one on my left. Touch them. Bless them. Heal them. Deliver them. Prosper them. Let your kingdom come. And we say to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, yours is the kingdom. You are the king of kings. You are the president of presidents. You are the governor of governors. Yours is the power. Almighty power. And yours is the kingdom. In Jesus' name. And now give a big shout and a big hand to the Lord.